Hello and welcome back to the Gig Guide to Life podcast with me, Will Stevenson. This is the podcast all about exposing our guests' dirty musical laundry. This week's guest is the door-to-door poet performed at Edinburgh Fringe Festival, the Royal Albert Hall, Glastonbury Festival and finally the poet in residence at Wordsworth House, Rowan McCabe. There we go. Hiya, Will. Lovely, nice yeah. Face to face. You too. Rowan's got an amazing story and he shares a fantastic snippet of it here. Really encourage you to go and check out his work on YouTube and his site, doortodoorpoet.com. I can't believe we're on episode five already. I don't know where the time flies, but we've got a really, really exciting second half of the first series coming up as well. But for now, here's episode five of Gig Guide to Life with Rowan McCabe. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's always a bit strange um, over Zoom, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a weird one. Um, but yeah, <laughs> nice one, man. How's your day been? Yeah, very good, thanks. Good. Um, what have I been up to? Uh, I've been writing a poem. Um, and um, apart from that, uh, just messing around, trying to put a video onto Facebook, which seems to take far too long. But yeah. it's done now, so there we go. <laughs> what have you been writing about? Have you been finding much inspiration? Well, um, uh, sort of related to what we were going to chat about, uh, I guess, today a little bit. Yeah. Um, so um, I am poet in residence at Wordsworth House this year. And um, part of it was going to be doing some door-to-door poetry. Um, and I guess the idea of knocking on strangers and chatting to them now has kind of gone out of the window. <laughs> um, so uh, I've started doing post-to-post poetry. So I send off a letter with a little poem in it and it basically invites people to yeah uh, tell us what's important to them and Amazing. Uh, they've uh, a few people have got back at them so it's it's kind of about what they've been writing about and, and things like that what was the uh, what was the last door that you actually knocked on where did you manage to get to last it was in jaywick in essex and it was uh, yeah jaywick is uh, it's been named consistently for the past kind of 10 years or so as the most deprived town in mm. the uk it's a kind of little seaside town um, on the coast, uh, quite near Clacton on sea. Um, and I went because uh, I'd uh, I went to Buckingham Palace before that, and it felt like an interesting contrast to kind of try the most expensive yeah. houses and, and and you know the poorest ones. And uh, yeah, it was it was a really interesting experience. Interesting to hear from the neighbours how much they feel kind of demonised by the press, um, mm. and how they had a very different view of what the town was like to I guess what a lot of people around the country have. Uh, and yeah, I ended up having a good look around the town and it was really nice actually. The beach is lovely. And, uh, you know, I met a lady who said, uh, she was called Sarah and she said, oh, you need to go to Aussie's fish and chip place as well. It is the best fish and chips in the world. So it was, it was nice to get a different view of the place. Um, just before, I mean, I was literally dropping off the last poem as the lockdown came. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So just for anyone who doesn't necessarily know what we're talking about, you've been doing poetry across the UK door to door, just knocking on people's houses and writing them a, writing them a poem um, for th- four, four years. Is it now? Yeah, I think, well, maybe, maybe going on five. I think four, well, I started yeah. it in 2015. Yeah. Uh, finished it. Yeah. March, 2021. Wow. So you've had oh, a 2020. Yeah. 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 I was like, if you <laughs> <laughs> lockdown's over, it's all good. <laughs> you know what that is? I've just written off this year now. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It is a weird one in terms of the state of play of where things are going to end up because I suppose something I wanted to talk to you about before we got onto the format was you've been touring in a really unique and interesting way with going across the UK um, just to do your own stuff. 
obviously I know you don't necessarily consider it at all, but it, you know, and getting art to people in communities that might not go to the Whitworth gallery to South bank center to, you know, to the Edinburgh fringe. Do you think that sort of stuff's going to be more important on a wider scale after we, after we come out of lockdown? You mean connecting with audiences mm. who wouldn't normally engage with the arts? That's mm. um, an interesting one. Well, I hope so. I always hope yeah. that's really important. Um, you know, and I, th- I think if nothing else, this whole experience, is, um, especially with everything that's been happening in America and in, in the UK at the minute, you know, there's, there's um, a lot of people who have been systematically neglected for a long time who I think are, are beginning to stand up and say, you know, this, this is enough. Um, and not to draw, you know, too many parallels with, with what I'm doing because that is a kind of different issue. But, you know, I, I guess generally it feels like there's a spirit of change at the minute mm. and there's a, there's a commitment to try and, um, you know, connect with people who might ordinarily be, um, you know, excluded from the arts. I know mm. there's a lot of talk at the minute, whether there'll be some walk along with that as well, I hope. That'll yeah. Be the case. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, hopefully. I think... Um, I think the other thing is that um, there's been a lot of time for people to make things, hasn't there? I mean, not everyone's been, uh, you know, able to just, uh, you know, be at home uh, on furlough or whatever. And I know a lot of people have been struggling to to make ends meet, but there is a lot of people out there who've found themselves with a lot of time on their hands. Um, And I think that maybe that might have, you know, rekindled an interest in in painting or poetry or theatre. Um, which is great, you know, and hopefully I think that some of that will, will carry on. Mm. And we get to actually show it to each other face to face. I think we're going to really ravish that a lot more because that's part for so long now that I think the idea of somebody turning up, you know, like yourself, turning up on your doorstep and go, do you want a poem? Maybe people who would have before gone, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not interested in that. They've gone, yes, please just talk, <laughs> talk to me about something. Yeah, no. Just having a look through your website, one of the most interesting sort of things that I, I, I stumbled across was, um, as it relates to what you were just speaking about from Essex, really, is that I grew up in Skegness and I've lived in Manchester now for six years. Um, and I thought both what you've just said about the seaside towns um, getting underfunded and your blog post about Moss Side were both really, really um, on, the no- on, on the nose and not uh, accurate. And I think that your Brexit poem in particular that you wrote um, for a man that you'd never ever really expected to see that viewpoint and writing art and creating art in circles that we don't necessarily agree with or identify with is something that I really respected. I thought was interesting about what you were doing. Well, thanks very much. Yes. Um, uh, The other thing I've been up to recently is that, um, I've started writing a show about the kind of trip around England with a director over Skype. Um, so this is all quite fresh in my head at the minute um, because I've kind of just told them the whole story of what happened. <laughs> and I'm pleased you picked up on the, the, the Moss Side stuff because, uh, yeah, we were having a similar discussion just the other day and about um, the, like exactly what you've just said about um, being confronted by opinions that you might not normally, well, you might not necessarily agree with, mm. but trying to find some common ground. And there seems to be a theme emerging through that journey where um, I kind of ended up putting myself in situations after that to try and understand um, their point of view. So I guess a less um, kind of politically charged version would be like, 
I met a guy in Birmingham who was training to be a PE teacher. And he said, uh, you know, that's what I want to poem about, about the importance of sport. And it was like, well, I'll be honest, I'm a really lazy guy. <laughs> I don't do any sport. The last time I played any sports was when I was about 14 or something. What would you recommend? Uh, and he said, uh, football. I think football would be a good place to start. So I went away and joined a five-a-side team um, and thought I was going to hate it as well yeah. and ended up absolutely loving it. And I went nearly every week until the lockdown started for like, you know, months and months after that. And if you'd have taught me beforehand that that was going to be the case, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But yeah, I think once you kind of, you're confronted with, with somebody else's interest and then you try and figure out what it is that, that's brought them to that, that passion or, or interest or frame of mind, and by doing that, it's been interesting to see the effect it's had on my life as well and the, mm. made it, the way it's made us live my life differently. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's just that community is such an important thing, isn't it? And, and I think what we do is we tend to, or we have tended to, is keep ourselves to ourselves a lot more. I don't know, I've noticed, um, I've just moved to a new, new place. I've moved out to Bolton. Um, and doing that during the peak of the NHS um, clap on Thursdays has been really interesting because, you know, before then I'd never spoke to the neighbours. And since then, every week, you know, you say hello and it it just, it's gotten nicer. I feel feel like in a really small way, the world still seems to be getting nicer and it's just nice to see, I suppose. Mm. And and yeah, I I think um, that's something that will hopefully, you know, um, kind of... (sighs) I don't know, maybe it'll, to go back to an earlier question, maybe it'll lead to more art um, projects that work with communities, you know, mm. maybe neighbours will start collaborating to make pieces and, and things. I hope that it leads to a more um, kind of, um, more collaboration between neighbours as mm. well, in mm. whatever shape or form that might be. Do you have much interest in live poetry as maybe traditional live poetry is? rather than uh, an hour-long Edinburgh show or, you know, something like that? Yeah, I mean, well, I started off, I guess, doing live stuff. Mm. I mean, I guess the blog posts, are, they always start written. Um, and, you know, at the minute, it's, it's a case of me thinking about writing a book with the material as well. But I'm always thinking about performance whenever I write, um, which is um, meant that at the minute, things are a little bit of a learning curve because usually for me, it's like, you know, that immediacy of being like, right, there's a gig tonight. Um, I know there'll be people in the room. I need some new stuff, so I need to yeah. write something. And that process of getting it on its feet in front of a room of people, um, I guess, is something that usually um, is the process, yeah, that I use. And, and most of my favorite poets are, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, like, at least um, do a lot of live performances, if not considered, you know, kind of spoken word mm-hmm. artists or performance poets or whatever kind of phrase you want to use. Have you done a, uh, have you done a Zoom one yet? I've not, you know, um, mm. like most of the people I know uh, who, yeah. who do what we have. Um, I've got my first uh, Zoom gig, I think it's in July. Um, but I feel also as well, maybe that's because I've sort of dropped out of the performance scene in the past yeah. year. It's literally just been like going around to say Moss Side or, you know, um, Boston or London or whatever and knocking on doors. And it's meant there wasn't a lot of time for, for poetry gigs as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe I've just uh, become a little bit less of a familiar face. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I've sort of, I've gone... I've attended a few, but I've not, I've not, because I've not done anything myself. Um, and 
I think it depends a lot on the, on the format that you're doing it in. Because for me, it's like with the stand-up sets that you can see on Instagram Live, is that certain things for me personally don't translate perfectly. Over. I, the, the biggest draw of live poetry to me is the audience and the, the atmosphere and the reaction. And trying to do it without that feels a little bit more like a classroom, a little bit more like we're all reading from the same script and sort of going, oh, yeah, that's, I see what he did there, you know. But again, certain people's styles and art form will naturally accommodate that and will work with that really well. It's just, uh, I think it's not what I would like it to be forever, personally. Mm, I've been watching some of the stands stuff that they've been putting mm. out. Uh, and it is very much like a stand-up gig, but without an audience. <laughs> and I mean, I love that they're doing it and it's a great cause because people are donating, you know, money towards the stand and, and I love the venues, um, but it is a bit weird. It's a, it reminds us of that um, Mitchell and Webb sketch where they do the game show in the post-apocalyptic yeah, 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 environment. Yeah. It's very much like that. You know, there's one guy in the back of the room who, is also the sound guy and like laughs at the jokes and claps and stuff, but it's like literally a one person audience, which yeah. just feels surreal to watch. No, it is, a, it is a strange one. Do you remember, um, as we sort of slide to move on to the format, do you remember your first live poetry experience? The first time you got up on a stage and did one? Oh, the first time I got up on mm. a stage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it was, uh, oh, what's the pub called again? The Bridge Hotel in Newcastle. Um, it was when I was in my first year at uni, so it would have been about 2008. And uh, some friends on my English course uh, set up a night called Pints and Poetry, which very much did what it said on the tape, yeah. you know. Uh, but it was great because it was like a good section of the English department students kind of all showed up. So you had a nice audience of maybe mm. like 50 to 60 people. Um, and by the time you got up, everyone was drunk, so it didn't really matter what you did. But <laughs> yeah, I remember... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember getting up and, and, and just feeling like this is definitely where I want to be, you know, and, and to go back to what you mentioned earlier about the most exciting thing being the audience mm. as well. I think without realizing it at the time, I was already writing to maybe surprise or, or shock a live audience. And, um, you know, um, I think that's something that's carried on, even if it's, you know, not necessarily, uh, a dramatic poem i'm always looking especially in the opening line or two to, to do something that's going to kind of capture someone that's going to make them sit up and go oh what that's a bit unusual you know yeah yeah definitely definitely so where did the um the love of literature come from um my mom's uh in well she's a teacher she's a primary school teacher so i remember that we had uh, a lot of books around when i was a kid um and yeah, I don't, I don't remember any poet in particular mm. that kind of did it when I was a kid, but just lots of books and always being a big fan of reading. Um, mm. And I guess that, that kind of really started off that, that kind of love of, of literature. Yeah. Um, and then I became a teenager and it was horrendously uncool to like any of those things. So I didn't write or read any poetry for a long time. Uh, and then I think it was when I picked up uh, and started doing my A-levels and I chose to do English and um, around about that time I was getting into the libertines as well and there's this kind of literary link between the yeah. kind of stuff that they were writing about and it suddenly seemed a little bit cooler to say that you were into poetry you know it was a little bit more rock and roll and I think that's what started us getting back into it yeah definitely I was gonna that was gonna be my follow-up question is um, 
what does your music taste look like now and what did it look like back then as well mm, well it has it has definitely changed i mean yeah when i was doing when i was doing a levels i was i mean not radically different i guess because i still like the libertines and i was i was into them at the time and i was just starting to get into rave as well and going to my first rave so and I'm still, I'm still a fan of electronic music in general. I guess, you know, no one's going to all rave right now. And even, <laughs> before, uh, even before lockdown, I hadn't really went raving for quite some time, but it's, uh, it's, still, it's still a music I'm interested in. Mm. Um, so what was, the, what was the first taste that you had of live music? Right, okay, it was. Um, I was about seven years old. Perfect. Um, it was at the Newcastle Metro Radio arena and uh, it was benefit gig to raise awareness about the living wage so oh, wow. uh, space and ash were the headliners and uh like my parents took us down and uh, there was quite a lot of people from my family um and i can't remember anything about <laughs> music at all but i remember that um me and my cousin got interviewed by the NME because we were the youngest audience members there. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and what, do you remember what you said to him? No. <laughs> no <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> to be honest, the most exciting thing at that stage was that um, I couldn't fathom why all of these adults were dropping money all over the floor. Um, and obviously it was because everyone was having a drink and having a good time but as a seven year old I found this fascinating so me I remember me and my cousin running around this huge I mean you probably never get away with this now I mean it was like sure it's a sign of the times really it was like kind of uh you know just running off into this crowd of like thousands of people like yeah pound pound coins off the sticky bso floor but we had a lovely time (laughs) (laughs) that's beautiful I love when people have really um unique memories first memories of of the live experience because i think it sets a precedent for what the rest of your musical career is going to look like what was your most recent live experience most recent was um i mean well this isn't this is one of those ones that's a bit less exciting to be honest but it's true so i might as well tell you it was a it was on february the 14th it was a fundraiser for refugees in calais uh and it was at the tyneside iris in newcastle and uh there was a ukulele player on called Lauren Stones, like a local musician, and a, and a folk musician called Bethany Ellen Coyle as well. I don't know if you've ever come across her, but she's, uh, she's well worth checking out. No, I don't know. Tell us, tell us more. Um, she's a folk musician. She um, she plays guitar and sings. Um, she's got a beautiful voice, um, and she's really really interested in uh, you know various um, struggles for social justice. Yeah. Uh, of note, I guess she was part of the. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn for PM kind of a touring show that happened yeah, yeah, quite a few yeah, years yeah. ago. So it was like Mark Steele, um, a poet called Matt Abbott, who went on to do the nationwide adverts and, uh, and, and Bethany as well. And uh, yeah, she's, she's worth checking out. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love that. I love that your entire career from first to last have all been um, charity gigs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very I on brand. Noticed, I never <laughs> even noticed the link there, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do go to gigs that are, you know, I've been, been in the evil venues. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm not the perfect person. <laughs> what is the best experience, memory that you can have of live music? Ooh, well, I think it was, um, yeah, so in... I think it was 2011 uh, when I finished uni. Uh, me and my friends went to festival, uh, and it was just a lovely 
atmosphere. I mean, I guess so much of what makes a gig a good gig is who you're with mm. and what kind of atmosphere it is. And it was just, I guess, a lovely point looking back because we'd all graduated, but because we were still uh, all living in the same place at that point. Still very starry-eyed. And uh, so it was It was my uni mates, but also mates I'd known since I was like 12, 13 also came along and we were all camped in this big, lovely campsite with just all these people I really, really like. And uh, there was loads of good bands on. Um, and I think The Cure were on that year. Uh, but the thing I remember the most was on the Sunday night, Fat Boy Slim was on mm. and we all met and it was just like the atmosphere was just lush and uh, yeah, just dancing away. Um, I remember running because you have to go down a pier to get to a uh, to get to a ferry to go home because it's on the Isle of Wight. Uh, and uh, I remember running along this pier with a ukulele player next to us uh, as the sun was rising over the ocean. It was very it was very idyllic. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very indie. <laughs> fun. I love it. I love that. <laughs> Festival's one of them. I've never managed to get to it. And I'm really. It's on the list of things that I just need to do because, like you said, the the location, the setting, the lineup is always class as well at festival. So, speaking of festivals, um, tell us about Glastonbury. Yeah, well, I've, I've done it a few years. Um, uh, the first year I went was, um, hmm, when was it again? Maybe it was about 2016. I got invited to do um, tent to tent poultry uh, mm. around, uh, around the campsites there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was pretty early on in the door to door project. Uh, and yeah, it was it was lovely. Um, do you want us to tell you more about what I got up to in my spare time, or more about what I got up to um, in the project? Let's hear let's hear one story from both. Mm. Oh well, I've got a good story about the project because on the last day, I was going around one part of the campsite, and you know it's just basically the same premise as door to door, except you know you don't knock on a door, you just go to a tent, and. Uh, I got chatting to these people, uh, and one of them was called Sorrow, um, and it still transpired. They were the last group of people I was going to speak to while I was there, and write, last group I was going to write a poem for. And it still transpired that Sorrow is uh, part of the Evis family. She's like my oh, wow. uh, I don't know, granddaughter or you know something like that. Um, so uh, that was quite interesting by sheer coincidence to have bumped into her. Yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy. And um, I think in terms of what I got up to otherwise, um, I'm just sort of sifting through anything that could later incriminate us, really. I'm looking for something, <laughs> that's, uh, something that's clean. What, what else did I do? <laughs> yes. Never, but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what is, in contrast, the absolute just worst memory you can experience at a gig? The worst whether that be the band on stage or just a personal low. <laughs> mm, yeah, well, ooh, right. So I think it's probably uh, Leeds Festival. I think it was around 2005. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done Leeds Festival. There's a tradition of setting the tents on <laughs> yeah, fire yeah, on yeah, the yeah, last yeah. night. Um, and as well as that, I think... Was that the same year when it rained really badly? So my mate's tent got flooded. It was that, yeah, the apocalyptic floods. (laughs) 
and uh, he brought he brought like a beach tent or something. It was his yeah. first festival, and you know it was it was ill equipped for the weather. So we all had to cram in the one I was staying in. So I think it was like eight or nine of us crammed in a four person tent, all wow. kind of sleeping on or trying to sleep on top of each other while tents were being set on fire. And every time you drift off, you wake up with a sudden fear that you know at any moment the tent will be set alight and. I remember, yeah, getting home, and for days later, my snot was black. And the, <laughs> the sky was black, like, because of all the tents that were being burned, you know, before we left. And, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it just, it was just horrible. It's just a horrible thing to smell and see and hear, and it just, it's just not cool. You know, if anybody out there is listening, you know, singing about going to a festival when all this blows over and you go to Leeds, don't don't set your tent on fire, kids. It may seem cool, but it's a lot more cool to donate that tent to a charitable cause or even just give it to a family member, you know, or a friend. Uh, it's it's a cooler thing to do. It definitely is. Eco warriors are the way forward. <laughs> I think I think Glastonbury do one where you have to you have to get mm. a steel one. Um, it's quite expensive. There's a deposit on it. I think it's like a tenner or something. Um, and obviously, no one ever finds the time to take yeah. it back and get the deposit back. But um, I mean, it's just you know, if nothing else, it saves all the waste. Yeah, yeah. But Glastonbury are one of those where you can take in your own drinks as well. Mm. So you you've got you know, there's a start there because you've got recyclable cans rather than eight pound for a very <laughs> very weak pint that's not gonna last you one minute but yeah that's festivals i don't know i don't know how we've got onto that i'm missing i'm missing festival season man mm, yeah i'm really missing it i was gonna go to the edinburgh fringe this year mm. and i was getting myself all prepared you know for three weeks of non-stop boozing and <laughs> what am i gonna do now you know sit down and well i can just speak at home. do it inside yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> have you uh Outside of the, uh, of the um, realm of music, what is what's one of your favourite memories from from Edinburgh? I've never actually managed to to get down myself, and I've been meaning to for years and years and years and years, and I've just never managed to get the time off work or or whatever. But it just seems like this mythical sort of haven of you know comedy and spoken word and all these things. But did it live up to what you expected it to be? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I've been going, I've been going for quite a few years now, mm. on and off. Um, and it's just, it's just lovely. I mean, there is, you know, um, there's a, it's a big festival and there's so much going on. It's kind of hard to, um, hard to explain exactly what it mm. is because that was the biggest learning curve for me. It's kind of a lot of different festivals all happening at the same time. Um, and, uh, but there's some brilliant stuff on. I mean, it's just, you know, a non-stop party. Like, there's a... <laughs> There's a, there's a shop that sells macaroni cheese pies, which in themselves are fantastic if you've never had one. The joy of having a, a macaroni cheese pie, <laughs> I recommend that. But it sells them until about four in the morning or something. There's a chalkboard outside the, outside the place that does them that just says macaroni cheese pies forever. I mean, you make it sound <laughs> wild, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just a non-stop, yeah, a non, non-stop boozing, and it's good fun. And um, the funniest thing and the best thing that I, I remember from the Fringe, I'm allowed to swear on this uh, interview, by the way. Okay, so there's, there's a show by Richard Tyrone Jones called What the Fuck Is This? Um, and basically, um, he got dared by his mate that he couldn't write a show. 
where the only words he said were, what the fuck is it? Um, <laughs> you, you wouldn't think someone could get an interest in our no. album. My God. Like, he, he came crawling onto the stage in a sleeping bag like a caterpillar and then burst out wearing some boxer shorts and a tweed jacket. <laughs> and it was like, what the fuck is this? And then just, I mean, the, the list of things that happened were, like, at one point you ran over to us and cut off a piece of my hair with some scissors. We don't know each other. Well, we, we, did, we do now, but we didn't at the time. Um, he, he was like pouring baked beans into people's pockets. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it yeah. was, uh, you never forget something like that. It just when, you know, if you find someone else who saw that show, it's like you've found an unspoken yeah. with them, you know, it's like, like you've been involved in some life altering experience. This is it. And this is, this gets back to another reason why I started this podcast and why I love live music and live performances of all kind, poetry, film, you know, whatever, is that they are once in a lifetime experiences. Whatever way you shake it, unless it's a recorded DVD or something, which, you know, it's slightly different, but it, each gig is going to be different. Each performance, each poetry session, they're always a very unique experience, whether that is... Did he perform the same show every time? Did you see it more than once? Oh, the, the what the fuck? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I think it was different but there was a sort of running through line yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. but it just took on a life of its own though because yeah. like i mean i i thought this was part of the show but at one point this guy just walked in completely butt naked like not, <laughs> not holding any clothes or anything just walked in from you know in edinburgh city center just butt naked um and richard tyrone jones was like what the fuck is this? And then oh, managed to persuade man. the guy to um, become a footstool for him. So he sat on the stage and the naked guy was sort of kneeling down and he kind of put his feet up on him. And then I met Richard after the gig and said, so that naked guy, he's like part of the show, right? No, never uh, met him before. And I think the show wow. just people like that. It would just, it took on a life of its own. That's absolutely beautiful. I love it. I love it. What is the farthest you've traveled for live music? Probably the Isle of Wight, to be honest. Mm. I've never been abroad for a gig. Um, I mean, I've, I've been to some live shows, I think, while in, say, like Europe and stuff, um, on holidays and stuff, but never, you know, with the express that, yeah, 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 like, yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, maybe not the bit most exciting answer to that one. But no, it's, it's all good. It's, it's a long way if you live in Newcastle. I will say <laughs> that it took with two days to get there. You know, Did you drive? we took the National Express to London. I mean, this was 2011, um, so we took the National Express to London and then London to Portsmouth. Stayed overnight at a friend's sister's house in Portsmouth. Got up the next day, got the ferry over to the Isle of Wight, and then you've got to get a coach from the ferry port at the Isle of Wight to the festival. It takes uh, takes a long time. Fair play. On, on the way home. After partying for three days, it was... And you managed to persuade everyone you need to go with you? There was a good gang of them, yeah. I mean, there was probably about 15 of them. I mean, people were coming from different parts of the country as well. Mm -hmm. so not everyone on the National Express uh, from Newcastle. Uh, some people managed to just go from London and stuff like that. So maybe that made it a bit easier. Beautiful. Um, I, th I think we've already set a really high precedent for this. Um, but excluding, excluding spoken word shows and, and anything like that, what's the weirdest thing you've seen just in live music? Now, like on stage? Either on stage, off stage, just to do with. Um, I think, 
I think I'm going to go back to Glastonbury on this one. The thing, the weirdest festival thing that has ever happened to us was probably going to the Stone Circle at Glastonbury on the last night, um, like the Sunday night come Monday morning. Mm. Um, and for anyone listening who hasn't been, it's kind of a, a ritual, I guess, when all the music's finished, there's nothing else to do. So everyone who wants to still party goes to the Stone Circle. And I mean, imagine a a meadow otherwise secluded and very calm with you know you know what a stone circle is but just like filled with thousands and thousands of just wrecked people and it's just it's just a mess and like you've got people in like tracksuits and stuff climbing on these ancient stones with like drum and bass player and and this this stuck with us though like the one thing i'll never forget was in amongst this carnage when you kind of like not even you know, barely there anyway. Mm. You're lying in this crammed meadow with all this music and, and kind of chaos. And I just saw this woman kind of running through the meadow in lederhosen <laughs> with pigtails and like a frilly shirt and a wicker basket filled with brownies. And she was just skipping through the meadow, just offering people brownies. And there's something about that image. I'll just, it'll mm. stick with us. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can... I can very clearly picture it. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Uh, we'll start to wrap up the music uh, segment of everything. Just a uh, final question on that. Is there anything that, at all other than that that just sticks out as particularly important or inspirational live music experience that you've had? Mm, oh, yeah. Loads and loads in terms of like stuff on stage. Mm. Um, some of the, my favourite gigs that, you know, I think I'll probably just always stay in some back part of my head like jeffrey lewis and the junkyard band i think well who he was performing with at the time but it's you know jeffrey lewis and he changes his band uh, quite regularly but um oh just they're just called the junkyard although they were just called the junkyard yeah. uh that was cool um but he does you know folk punk and um, he, he draws his own comics and, uh, you know, the, the shows are also him displaying the comics and sometimes the comics have theme music so the band play that. And it, it was just a very kind of immersive gig and mm. that really still stands out. Um, and uh, I remember seeing Bonobo once at the Sage in Gateshead and that was a, just a really lovely yeah. gig as well. I mean, the, the musicianship there was just top quality. Yeah, the phenomenal. When I first saw them, I expected a DJ. I don't know why. I just expected like two DJs and stuff. And yeah, full band performance and really. Mad. I know. I know what you mean though, because they they sit really mm. well in in both the world of jazz and the world of kind of dance electronica, don't yeah. they? That's what I love about them because the audience is just this odd mix of kind of jazz heads and like you know like hip hop heads and yeah, yeah. ravers, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the drummer in particular, uh, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but I remember being really blown away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phenomenal live band. That's beautiful. So um, it's been an interesting one asking this question to everyone, considering what's happened. Um, but is there any plans for the rest of the year? I know you said you're working on your book. Yeah, there is. There's, there's, there's plans. Whether there's plans uh, actually go forward uh, or another question. Um, talking about live stuff, I've got a tour of the Northeast that hasn't cancelled yet in November. Um, fingers crossed that still yeah. goes ahead. Um, I can. Is it worth running through the date? Should we just like okay. wing it and, and pretend that it's definitely going to happen? Um, 
yeah, I think the first one is uh, live theatre in Newcastle on the 6th of November. Um, and uh, then there's uh, Sunderland, uh, the place called The Peacock, on the 11th of November, and then Ark Stockton on the 12th. And the plan is to um, then take that on a national tour as well. So I'm hoping to get over to Manchester and, uh, and things like that. And... Uh, yeah, uh, take it, take it around. But yeah, I guess we'll just have to see. The, the book is also something that I could definitely do, so I'll be right at that as well. Lovely stuff. Thank you, mate. Have you got anything else that you'd like to plug? No, I don't think so. I think that's, that'll do it, to be honest. Apart from that, you know, just uh, it's I'm I'm just going to be sat around in my jogging pants drinking beer, really. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know if I need to promote that. Um, yeah, but, yeah, know, yeah. Other lifestyles are available. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fantastic, mate. Rowan, thank you really much. We'll, uh, Thanks so much, Will. Cheers for having us, mate. Nice one. Take care. All the best. Beautiful. Thank you, mate. Cheers. There you have it, that was Rowan McCabe and what a sweetheart he was, really really enjoyed that chat. Thanks for this episode, go to Rowan himself, Ellie Stevenson for the artwork and yourself for tuning in. I'll be back next week with the indie band Delights from Manchester with another brilliant chat. Other than that you can support the show by following us on all the usual socials and don't forget to leave a 5 star review on the podcast platform of your choice, be that iTunes, Acast or Google Podcasts or even TuneIn Radio, we're available lots of places. But for now, stay safe, see you next Monday, I've been Will Stevenson, bye! Bye.